Alright, last week I talked the events surrounding Jesus' healing of the nobleman's son. And then when the clock told 7.45, we were in the middle of analyzing several of the many miracles of Jesus found in our doctrine of healing. I'm going to do some review and then we're going to pick up with new material on page 4. So let's use 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word. Guide us now and direct us, for I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, let's review then the doctrine of divine healing very quickly and then get into a number of miracles that Jesus performed. I think we can see some unique things going on in each of these, though we may have certainly taught about these before and various times over a long period of time. Uh, But here we go on the doctrine of divine healing, at least in part. We have a complete doctrine on the internet, but uh, this is more of a partial a summary you might say of divine healing there are certain things we left off like I know for certain the doctrine of the sin unto death I did not cover since that's a separate study so here we go the Bible teaches that human beings may look to God for direct healing divine healing is a subject over which differences of opinion have existed from early in the history of the Christian church In proclaiming, I am the Lord your healer, God promised the Israelites that in consequence of their obedience, uh, He would put put upon them none of the diseases of the Egyptians. Exodus 15.26 David testified regarding the God-fearing man. Psalm 41.41 verse 3. The psalmist in Psalm 30 repeatedly thanked God for his healing. Obedience to God's word can result in healing and health. Proverbs 4, 20, 21, and 22. Some of the healings, as we've noted, were with means, as in the case of Hezekiah, where the means was the poultice of figs. Wine was a means in the case of Timothy. And music in the case of Saul. 2 Kings 20 verse 7 and 1 Timothy 5.23 And the Bible is not opposed to the use of means for healing since Christ himself considered it normal for people to go to a doctor. Matthew chapter 9 verse 12 Some believe that physical healing is as much a part of salvation purchased by Christ on the cross as is the forgiveness of sin. Most evangelicals disagree, however, with such an exegesis and analysis. In only one other place in the New Testament is there any suggestion of healing in the atonement. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, connects, quote, by whose stripes ye were healed with Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. But there is no explicit mention of physical sickness 
And I think most would agree 1 Peter 2.24 is a metaphorical use. There are also those who contend healing was a first installment of the resurrection promised for our mortal bodies through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 being used for that position. However, most evangelicals believe the reference, quote, life to your mortal bodies in those verse, in that verse refers to temporal sanctification rather than positional. All right, causes of sickness, suffering in general is the consequence of the curse that came upon man after the fall. There was no sickness prior to that. In this sense, all sickness stems from man's first sin, though it does not follow that an individual's personal sickness is due to his own personal sin. Prior to the fall, man had a means of maintaining health by long and, of course, longevity by eating of the tree of life. A similar tree will also exist in the millennium. And we noted that in several places, certainly Genesis 2.9 and 3.23, as well as uh, Ezekiel 47.12, where there'll be a similar tree in the millennium, also mentioned in Revelation 22.1 and 2. All right, there are many cases where sickness is caused by man's ignorance and also by his own carelessness. Examples, venereal disease or chronic illnesses resulting from alcoholism, AIDS, etc. For example, King Uzziah's sin in Second Chronicles 26, 16-19. And you'll remember we talked about that, how he went into the temple and tried to do the job of the priest and got leprosy. Christ commanded one of the ill men whom he healed at the pool of Bethesda, uh, noting John 5.14 Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. And then the caution, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So sickness may be the work or may be a part of chastisement for the development of character as we noted in Hebrews 12.6 whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The believer is to count everything blessing when he enters into various trials and testings. And that may include sickness. Because if he bears them patiently, they can, I should say, produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness. James 5, 12-13. Alright, Job was brought to recognize his pride and self-righteous attitude through his afflictions and he did repent in dust and ashes and was rewarded. Paul saw his thorn in the flesh as something used to buffet him. He also saw in it something God used to keep him humble. 2 Corinthians 12.10 And I'll quote, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The fact that sickness may be used of God to develop character, faith, and humility in His very own children makes it impossible to conclude that it is always the immediate result of sin. Matthew 9, 2. All right, the healings of Christ and of the early church. 
Here we go. Because sickness is not part of original creation, but a later product of disobedience, Jesus healed many sick to document the coming kingdom and to fulfill prophecy. In one sense, Christ's healings must be regarded as being in a special category. In them, he demonstrated and proved that he was the Son of God. The miracles of Jesus' healings listed in the Gospels, to include resuscitations, are many. A few examples. The delivering of a demoniac in the synagogue. Then he went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teachings because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a devil, a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And of course, that indeed is quite a a witness <laughs> uh, when the demons can believe and people want. Amazing. Jesus' response was quite stern. Be quiet. Come out of him. Then the devil threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. The people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. So they use, of course, that against him. But uh, again, that's amazing that the demons will respond to him and act in accordance with Christ's will as we have ample documentation but a lot of people won't but they know him because they've seen him in heaven (laughs) they uh, don't have any trouble at all recognizing him Uh, of course way back yonder maybe before the fall maybe after the fall we'll have to find all that later later. I'm talking about the fall of Satan Alright, healing Peter's mother-in-law. This one is used so often to prove that Peter was married, contrary to what the Catholics say. Alright, Luke 4, 38 and 39, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. I find that to be uh, interesting and uh, quite typical. Get up and fix me something to eat. <laughs> All right. Healing a paralytic. Luke 5, beginning in verse 18. Uh, we'll read. Reading through verse 26. And that's the very famous because it's so colorful. So men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way, could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowering him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. That's the colorful aspect of it, of course, and then it continues. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, 
your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? And then He said, What's easier? Your sins are forgiven? Or say, Get up and walk. Then verse 24, That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's why He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. This the old boy did, but that caused more trouble. He's carrying a mat on the Sabbath. So he stood up in front of them, took what he had lying on the ground, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen a remarkable thing today. And I should say they did. And then healing a man with a withered hand. This is always special to me because of a man by the name of Curtis Boggs. He would go to all of the baseball games at Katy Park and mother and dad would climb the stairs and sit in a certain place and he and his, his wife were there and he had a hand that was, you know, like that. All the fingers were paralyzed and in a kind of a almost semi-closed condition. And as a kid, you might imagine, I'm looking at it all the time, you know, because uh, I would little fella I'd come up the stairs with him I'd look at that hand and uh, his wife was named Sarah don't ask me why I remember all that kind of stuff but I can't remember my name half the time alright here we go on another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would Heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to him, You know, I ask you, and I don't know if it's one finger at a time that he got healed over or how the process went, but I ask you, after it was all over, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Then he looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. All right, healing a centurion's servant. Here we learn about authority. As someone who knew about authority. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. So they did. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this. Why? Because he gave a lot of money to them and helped them build their synagogue. So Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you to come under my roof, being a Gentile, of course. And, uh, of course, it wasn't uh, 
he sent somebody to talk with him. He didn't go talk with him. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man with authority. I have soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So it's an interesting set of circumstances where authority of the Lord Jesus is related and help others to understand just like an officer in the military who says go, people go. Alright, let's look at raising a widow's son. Later, Jesus went to a town called Nain and His disciples and a large crowd went along with Him. And as He approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And the large crowd from the town was with her. When the lost saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. So here's an interesting situation where the heart of the Lord went out. He was emotional about this. And he wasn't always this way. But here, something touched him. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Very interesting and quite quite a demonstration, I'm sure, for all of those who saw this. And there was talk all over. Alright, healing a blind and dumb demoniac. Luke 11.14. Now Luke has a lot of information that other gospel writers don't have. Uh, he was, of course, a Gentile and a doctor. And uh, he uh, uh, was quite a writer, prolific writer. All right, verse 14, Luke was driving... Luke, excuse me. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who, who had been mute spoke and the crowd was amazed. All right, and then in Luke chapter 8, verse 26, we have that very familiar story about the Gadarene. They had just sailed across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes, which is about mid-latitude and on the east side, just across the lake from where they were, which of course is in his home in Capernaum, which is on the western shore, the northwestern shore. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? Again, identification of Jesus by the demons. And he says, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him and 
Though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had come, uh, had gone into him. Now, a legion is without any uh, units to support them. It's roughly 5,000. 4,800, we're told. And, of course, if it has a cavalry unit attached, etc., it can be much larger. But let's just assume, you know, a standard unit without support with siege equipment, etc., logistical support units. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, so apparently there was a hillside and and there was a valley below and led to a body of water. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, that is, into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Someone asked me one time, isn't this where the Jews get the idea they can't eat the swine? And I said, no, no, it has nothing to do with it. That's back in the Old Testament. They were unclean and they had the cloven foot business and all of that. So when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Now when the the, tig, the pig owners saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. Probably those who were hurting the pigs. Tell them what happened, you know. We're going to lose our pig business you know, if we let this guy keep on keeping on. Alright, uh, so those tending the pigs saw what had happened. They reported. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man with whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured and all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. But notice what happened to the man who had been relieved of the demons. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town just how much Jesus had done for him. So Jesus had a way, and his way was to leave the guy behind even though he didn't want to go, of course. He wanted to go and be with Jesus. But uh, Jesus knew that the best guy to witness to these people is the guy that they had known earlier and had seen operate. So it would be so interesting, and will be so interesting when we get to heaven to ask, what did he do after that? And uh, I think we're going to be amazed. Alright, uh, healing a woman with an issue of blood. This is part of that same process when they got back upon the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and I'll read Luke again. Beginning in chapter 8, verse 43. Alright, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
but no one could hit her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Jesus said, Oh, but wait, wait, wait. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Very interesting. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So this is after they landed up there on the northern shore. More like the northwest shore, I guess you could say, the northeast shore after, uh, or north central shore actually. And they had uh, docked. He'd gotten off the boat. A big crowd was there and they were all pressing in on him. And then they had a guy by the name of Jairus who showed up at that same time. Luke 8, 41, reading through verse 56. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Now let's go to verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. We don't know who said that. Uh, But hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. This is one of those cases where he asked for faith. Not always. Sometimes, as we've seen earlier, a person was saved who had no faith. He hadn't even been a believer, but he was... We'll see that probably again, no doubt. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Now when he arrived at the house of Jairus, here we go, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Uh, and, and of course, you know how they yell and scream and that, that high voice is typical custom of the Arabs. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed, knowing that she was dead. But He took her by the hand and said, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. So this is a case of resuscitation. Then Jesus told him to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone who what had happened. So I said resuscitation. Actually, it was a bring her back from the dead here. So uh, then we've got chapter 9 of Matthew where we have two blind men who are healed. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, it will be done. 
and their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. <laughs> but they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. And then delivering a dumb demoniac, meaning no can speak or hear. Most likely when they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed, who could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. And then the Syrophoenician's daughter, Mark chapter 7, read through verse 30. So we can see we're going from one gospel writer to another just to kind of get a good picture of all the healing that, that uh, give us an understanding, at least at, at what Jesus did. In some cases, why? In some cases, they varied. Alright, Jesus left that place. Now that's probably after He left Capernaum, as best we can tell. And He went over to Tyre. Now Tyre and Sidon are located in, in Lebanon, uh, or what is Lebanon today. So it's on the Mediterranean shore, and uh, it has had trouble, trouble, trouble with the Syrians who have made them a vassal state virtually. So uh, he entered the house and, and did not want anyone to know it, yet he couldn't keep it a secret. Everybody knew it, and the word got out. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, the Syrophoenician, uh, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia, and that's that same area. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. This is that interesting story about the dogs. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went out, we went home, excuse me, and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So we have a doctrine of dogs, as I recall. I'm not sure it's on the pastor's study books, but... Two kinds of dogs are mentioned in Scripture. One of the dogs that run around and eat corpses and everything. Then you have the little puppies. This was the little, little little one. A house dog, in other words. A house pet. That eat from the table. Alright, uh, so we were called at least puppies. You know, we weren't mongrel dogs. Alright. Healing a deaf mute in Decapolis. Decapolis is a province which is across the Jordan. It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region, across the region on the other side of the Jordan to Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and couldn't hardly talk. Could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. So after he took him aside away from the crowd... Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, 
Ephatha, meaning be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them again not to tell anyone. But the more he did, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All right, and now let's look again, go back to Luke, who's going to tell us about a demon-possessed boy who's helped. Chapter 9, verse 37, reading through verse 42. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Then the man born blind. We've talked about this before. As he went along, he saw a blind man. Blind from birth, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, He told him, wash. Wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went, washed, and came home seeing. Alright, healing a crippled woman on the Sabbath. Uh oh, Jesus is always right on the verge of being in trouble, isn't he? Alright, Luke thirteen, ten, reading through verse seventeen, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for eighteen years. Boy, this makes you feel sorry for a lady, doesn't it? She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then He put His hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! (laughs) Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and leave it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? So they were asking him, you know, hey, there's six days to work. What are you doing working on the Sabbath, boy? 
that when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. So again, we have a record of many other things that are not stated as to what he was doing. All right, now healing a man with dropsy. Dropsy in the Greek is a swelling caused by the retention of excessive liquid in the tissues. All right, Luke again, 14, 1 through 6. On Sabbath, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, whoo, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. Then the cleansing of ten lepers. Luke again, chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, reading through verse 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. They're going to have here a healing. And he's going to wonder what happened to the rest of them. One of them is going to come back and thank him. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest, because there is a process you go through with leprosy. And as they went, they were cleansed. That is, according to the law, here's what you do. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Him. And of all things, he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. I don't know what happened to the rest of them, whether it came back or not. be interesting when we die and we can ask and see. No, actually we don't even have to ask. We'll know. Alright, then we have healing blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind, that's way over there near the Jordan, A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And then one we're all familiar with, restoring old Malchus's ear. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, who we know as Peter, cut off his right ear of the other guy named Malchus. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. All right, now let's see what we can learn from John chapter 5, verse 18, 24, which will begin next week. The Lord willing and the crick doesn't rise. 
John five eighteen. All right, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to study Your Word. We're grateful for the opportunity to have a prayer meeting. We're grateful to have a prayer list. We're grateful to have so many scriptures that tell us that we do not know about what to pray. But we have intercession from again, God the Holy Spirit and God the Lord Jesus Christ takes it right straight to the Father and and the prayer is changed to a proper and rightful prayer. And then we know, Father, that you implement a perfect plan. So we have a vast number of requests on our list. You've heard them. Uh, and they have come to you in perfect format, perfect content. And now you're going to implement a perfect plan. So help us to be faithful and keep, bring, keep on bringing to you what we think. So we do ask that you bless our nation. Bless all of our authorities. And uh, guide us in order that we might have confidence and faith that all is well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.